Dialogos Radio's Commentary of the Week. Each week, Michael Navaradegis provides views and opinions on issues pertaining to Greece and to the worldwide Greek community. Coming up next, here on Dialogos Radio. In recent years, one of the favored mantras of Greece's ruling politicians and their puppets in the Greek media has been that Greece should not become like Argentina. Greece, we are told, should meet its obligations and should remain a part of the so-called European family and not follow the example of a country which turned its back on the international financial system. Yet what these politicians and media mouthpieces don't tell us is that Greece has already become exactly like Argentina in one very negative aspect. Before we get to that, though, here's the backstory. Story. In 2001, after years of stifling austerity measures and privatization programs imposed on the country by the International Monetary Fund, Argentina finally chose to stand up to the IMF and to international creditors and defaulted. Following this, Argentina used the leverage it had gained to come to an agreement with approximately 90% of the country's creditors, getting them to agree to a substantial write-down of the original debt. The creditors would be paid in full for the remaining reduced amount, and it was also agreed that Argentina would not offer more favorable terms to the small minority of creditors who held out and who refused to agree to the write-down. After the default, what followed for Argentina was over a decade of phenomenal economic growth by pursuing the opposite policies from those which had been prescribed by the likes of the International Monetary Fund. Argentina unpegged its currency from the U.S. dollar, the percentage of people living below the poverty level greatly declined, exports boomed, unemployment fell, and conditions returned to normalcy, even though Argentina was shut out from the global financial markets as punishment of sorts for defying the IMF in 2001. There is a matter of those holdouts though, those creditors who did not agree to the write-down, and this is where Greece also comes into the picture. One of the major holdouts who did not agree to the write-down was none other than Paul Singer, known in the financial industry as Singer the Vulture. He is the top donor to the Republican Party in New York State, a major funder of Republican causes all across the United States, and he is also the manager of Elliott Management, a major hedge fund with assets totaling over $23 billion. Singer's personal net worth alone is estimated at $1.9 billion. What has Singer done? Well, before attempting to drink the blood of Argentina, Singer purchased some supposed debt incurred by the Republic of Congo in Africa. The debt had been sold at a significant discount by its original creditors and had originally been worth $400 million. Singer immediately began seizing assets belonging to the Republic of Congo, demanding repayment of the full amount of the debt. After that, Singer targeted Peru, where he managed to take over control of the country's entire financial system, including seizing the country's presidential plane. In exchange for allowing embattled President Alberto Fujimori to flee the country ahead of murder charges that he was facing, Singer demanded that Peru's treasury pay him $58 million for debt, which he had purchased for $20 million, an amount which he ended up receiving in full. This is the same Fujimori government which had been advised by the World Bank and by World Bank institutional economist Elena Panaritis to implement what became known as Fujishock, a 10-year program of authoritarianism, corruption, and impoverishment of the population. Pararitis later was elected a member of the Greek parliament with PASOK and voted in favor of the IMF-imposed austerity measures in Greece. Back in the United States, Singer purchased asbestos company Owens Corning out of bankruptcy, a company which had not told its workers that they would get asbestosis from handling their product. The company had been sued by the dying workers and their families and had 
promised to pay most of the proceeds to the workers, but Singer would have none of that. By reducing the amount of compensation the workers and their families would receive, he increased the net worth of the company and he flipped it for a billion dollar profit. This set the stage for what Singer, along with another hedge fund, Dart Management, did to Greece in 2012. In November 2012, these two hedge funds were among the few creditors who refused the deal to restructure and to write down Greece's bonds. Indeed, neither Dart Management nor Elliott Management had originally been creditors of Greece, but they had purchased this debt at a deep discount ahead of the so-called haircut of the Greek bonds. With a payment due to them before the end of the year, Dart and Singer demanded payment of the full amount of the bonds, an estimated 436 million euros, and they received this amount at a time where Greek salaries, pensions, and the Greek social state were being cut to the bone. Dart received about 90% of this amount, while Singer received most of the rest. This brings us to Argentina, where once again Singer was one of the few international creditors who did not agree to the restructuring of the country's debt. And once again, Singer was not an original bondholder, but instead he purchased his share of the debt at a deep discount. Argentina, however, refused to pay him, citing its agreement with the bondholders who agreed to the write-down, and Singer followed through on his threats by suing Argentina in courts in the United States. Earlier this year, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Singer and demanded that Argentina cease paying other bondholders until it fully paid off Singer and the other creditors who sued. Argentina's credit rating was downgraded by the likes of Moody's and Standard & Poor's, and the United States threatened Argentina with freezing that country's assets in order for Singer and for the others to get their money, totaling approximately $1.5 billion. What did Argentina do? Unlike the Greek government, it fought back. Argentina replaced its New York-based intermediary bank with the state-run Banco de la Nación, allowing it to circumvent the Supreme Court ruling and to pay the bondholders who had agreed to the write-down. Argentina also passed a new law voting to repatriate its bonds and to bring them back under Argentinian legal jurisdiction instead of the jurisdiction of the United States. Furthermore, Argentina filed legal action against the United States at the International Court of Justice in The Hague, alleging a breach of its sovereignty. And when Singer seized a ship belonging to the Argentine Navy and which had docked in Ghana, the Argentine government took Singer to the International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea and won. Of course, the Greek and international media, even the likes of NPR, reported this as just another Argentine default. But salaries and pensions are still being paid in Argentina, and Argentina was and is fully capable of paying the debt holders who had come to an agreement with the country. But Argentina also chose to stand up to a bully, Paul Singer, who is facing steep fines in France over an insider trading scandal, and in the end, Argentina and its people won. There was a time where Greece set a positive example for the world. Nowadays, however, Greek politicians and their voters have proven that all they know how to say is yes to everything, while it is Argentina's politicians that have set an example of how to stand up to a corrupt, immoral, and out-of-control global financial system that will not hesitate to bankrupt an entire country for the financial gain of a few select banksters and billionaires. <laughs> <laughs>